And now, it's time for the biggest bonanza in podcasting. With Dominic Stern and Nicholas Hodell, this is the College Basketball Bonanza! Let's go ahead and do this on a Friday night on Twitter Spaces. Originally, of course, for those who will be listening on the podcast platforms, pretty much whenever you want. Nicholas Hodell, Dominic Stern with you. We'll have Dom Contini, hopefully within the middle of this. We're not 100% sure when that is going to be. But regardless, the first round of the NCAA tournament has once again not disappointed, particularly on Thursday, there was just so many upsets going around. Had our fair share of blowouts as well, but so many games were incredibly entertaining, uh, really from start to finish. And I want to focus on, you know, some of these upsets. I mean, particularly on Thursday, New Mexico State, St. Peter's, Richmond, Michigan as an eleven, all advancing to the to the to the second round of the tournament. And then Friday, Miami, Notre Dame, Iowa State are through. Uh, close one in progress as I'm speaking right now between Michigan State and Davidson. And 9 TCU is really getting it uh, to Satan Hall. I, I really want to focus in on what we think is the anatomy of the upset. Uh, upsets, they've happened with different ways. Uh, different types of teams have been able to pull off these upsets. Uh, but what has really stuck out to you, Dominic, as what the key things of this year's upsets has been? Well, it's felt like every single upset we've just had teams keep it low scoring. I mean, I think that's kind of what it's been. And they've been leading the entire way. There hasn't been like any comeback upset. Looking, I mean, with the exception of Michigan, Michigan was kind of that one exception, but St. Peter's was there the entire way with Kentucky. You know, South Dakota State was the popular upset pick. They were never really winning in that game except for at the very beginning. And then uh, you just look at it. These teams that were able to control the game of play at their own play. Uh, a lot of these teams, because they are the less talented teams on the floor, when they aren't playing basketball how they've been playing all year, that's when things really start to unravel. So I think for these teams to be able to play the way that they wanted to play. And, you know, an example of that was today with Chattanooga. They were cruising early in that game. Then Brad Underwood, credit to him, he made an adjustment, started using the full-court press, and their offense just completely collapsed. And Illinois, who played horribly offensively, was still able to pull it off. So teams just being comfortable and being able to play their style of basketball it's kind of been the trend that I've seen with these upsets. Yeah, because one of the things we see is in the South Dakota State game uh, in particular, um, they were a team that was incredibly effective when shooting the ball very well. And Providence, credit to them, did not let them shoot the ball very well whatsoever. And so I, I think that was one of the biggest things that we really saw um, out of that particular game. Um, and Iowa, kind of the same way. I mean, they're they're an offensive-style team, uh, and, and that game really just did not really go like that, and a huge credit to Richmond um, for being able to do that. Um, with UConn and Kentucky in particular, uh, what do you think happened to both of those teams? Well, UConn just kind of wasn't able to stay consistent offensively. Credit to them. I mean, they got back in it, but Teddy Allen, 
he was a baller in this game. And you also, another part of these upsets is having one player just kind of take over the game. Uh, shots aren't always going to go down because these teams, they aren't as talented, like I mentioned. But if you just have that one player who can take over the game, which is exactly what Teddy Allen did, that's exactly what needed to happen. And oddly enough, you know how many free throws Mexico State shot outside of Teddy Allen? Ooh, probably not too many. Zero. Oof. It was all Teddy Allen, and he made all 13 of his free throws. So UConn just wasn't able to, in those late situations, uh, get the ball away from Teddy Allen. But he was fantastic in that game. And then, I mean, that, that was just what stood out to me in Kentucky. I mean, we knew they had no tournament experience really on this team, but it really didn't expect it to show up like this. I mean, Oscar Sheboy had 30 points. The next leading player on this team had 11. And that was pretty astounding because Xavier Wheeler isn't even like one of their go-to scorers, but even along with his 11 points, he had six turnovers. Kentucky just couldn't get out of their own way. One of their best players, five-star recruit, Ty Ty Washington, only put up five points. Kellen Grady, the team's best three-point shooter, who we highlighted in the SEC semifinal game, was not good. Wasn't any better in this one. One of seven from three was good from the free throw line, but Kentucky just couldn't find any consistent offense, which credit to St. Peter's, and we talked about it, had one of the best defenses in the nation. Seventh in effective field goal percentage, 33 in adjusted efficiency on defense. They they gave everything that they could to Kentucky. Came into this game with a seven-game winning streak, and it's now eight. I mean, just the numbers to go along with this upset, just comparing the size of the schools, the salary of Coach K, or not Coach K, uh, Coach Cal, the uh, salaries of the assistants compared to St. Peter's head coach, uh, Shaheen Holloway. And, I mean, it just put the upset into perspective. And St. Peter's deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, you're absolutely right uh, there. I mean, the way they were able to stay calm and composed in overtime uh, in particular was something really astounding uh, for that team. Uh, but really, I just want to go back to Kentucky. I mean, you have got to make your free throws in March. I mean, we, I mean we've seen it time and time again in this month. It will not be the final time we see free throws completely sink a team in March. Uh, but if Kentucky makes its free throws, we've got a completely different situation on our hands with the Wildcats right now. I mean, if they make their free throws, they're the ones moving on to the second round to play Murray State, not St. Peter's for all I'm concerned. And so that is really concerning uh, from from Kentucky and just it's a brutal way to end the season but you know what if you can't make your free throws I think I think you deserve to go home I, I mean I give zero sympathy to a team who cannot make their three throws um, come March uh, whatsoever and then you mentioned it also with, with Teddy Allen and New Mexico State he was an absolute baller uh, for the Aggies he is one of those guys that you could just rely on at this point in the year. And that's exactly what he was able to show. And he showed he had a lot of talent um, with him as well. Um, just looking again through Thursday's slate, uh, a couple of teams also that survived, both of them on the forward line, Arkansas, UCLA, uh, they both, when I say survived, I mean they survived. 
Uh, Akron was giving UCLA all kinds of problems. Uh, Vermont was giving Arkansas plenty of problems uh, as well down the stretch. Uh, would you be concerned about any of Arkansas or UCLA uh, going into this weekend's second round? Well, I mean, the way that UCLA plays with their slow tempo, they're not going to blow out anybody. And their offense was really cold to start the game, but they picked it up in the second half. So that was really encouraging, especially against a good Akron team. And they had consistency around the board. I mean, four players scored nine or more points. You're not going to see Johnny Juzing struggle like he did. So I think that's optimism for them to turn around 14 assists uh, to just eight turnovers. I think that is certainly encouraging. And I... I predicted Arkansas to lose this game to Vermont. So for them to come out, and they, they pulled it off in very tight fashion, but uh, they were able to be consistently on top. Uh, they weathered the storm after Vermont came out strong to start the second half. So I was very impressed with Arkansas. Yeah, 12 assists, five turnovers. So it was just kind of an off sh- shooting night from deep, but that's nothing that we haven't really seen. Arkansas needs to shoot the ball a little bit better if they want to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and, Ar- and Arkansas is one of those teams. Uh, I mean, you, you look at what what they were able to do, 20 to 25 from the free throw line is a really good number, um, but just about 43% from the field, 7 to 21 from three. Not your worst night um, shooting-wise, but you're right. If this team wants to make that deep run, they're going to have to be just a little bit better than that. And that is some I'm really going to be uh, intrigued of uh, of that Arkansas team. You know, what can they do going forward, uh, especially when they will get New Mexico State and Teddy Allen. And that might be a very interesting matchup uh, for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if that was yet another close game uh, there in the round of 32. Uh, and then as for UCLA, I mean, I mean, I have to give a lot of credit to this Akron team, just giving UCLA all kinds of problems um, over the course of this game. I mean, their three-point shooting wasn't quite as good. That may have been one of the things that sunk them uh, at the end, but I give a lot of credit to Akron. Uh, they went toe-to-toe against a team with, I would say, uh, if not the most, definitely one of the teams with the most tournament experience um, really of any of the teams in this year's field, um, given UCLA's Final Four run last year. And UCLA-St. Mary's is going to be all kinds of intrigue, which kind of gets me to the next first-round bullet point I wanted to address. Some of the blowouts uh, of this first round, and you have, I mean, for as much for as many close games as we had in this first round so far, uh, we have had quite the number of just complete demolitions. Uh, over the course of time. Uh, Tennessee's game against Longwood comes to mind uh, as being one of those, Baylor and Kansas, uh, and also Gonzaga in the final uh, 10 minutes uh, of that game against Georgia State really took care of business. North Carolina comes to mind. Um, St. Mary's, I haven't mentioned them yet. That really comes to mind as well. And over the course of Friday's slate, Auburn ran away. Texas Tech nearly dropping 100. Villanova by 20. Just and also Purdue by a 22 as well. Uh, just what, what are some of the things that you were most impressed by of those teams uh, who were able to get the job done pretty handedly uh, in the first round? 
the most impressive performance of the first round, no doubt, was the Texas Tech Red Raiders. I mean, this team struggled so mightily to score offensively throughout the season, and they came out and dropped 97 on Montana State. It, it was hard to watch. I mean, to be completely honest with you, 12 of 20 from three, 24 of 34 from inside the arc. The way they were moving the ball around the floor was extremely impressive. They imposed their will on Montana State, who was a very solid team in the regular season, putting up 32 points in the first 10 minutes. I mean, Texas Tech was super impressive. Uh, Tennessee continued to stay hot, absolutely dominated Longwood, who we discussed as kind of being overseeded. And then just for Villanova, I mean, they, they kind of struggled, uh, especially out of the gates. They were extremely impressive. I mean, Gonzaga really put the foot on the gas pedal late in their game. But North Carolina also had a really impressive performance. Absolutely demolished Marquette, 95-63. to 63. I mean, I think Baylor's in trouble because the way North Carolina is shooting the basketball, and I, I think they could absolutely beat Baylor. I have that predicted in my bracket, and I'm at this point, my bracket being just as trashed as it currently is, really need this because it's it's been the struggle bus for uh, the Dom bracket. Do- Dominic Stern 1 is currently in the 23rd percentile. Uh, it, it's not going very well for me. Yeah, I, I think I am uh, pretty close to a pee and uh, your boat as well. But but really, it's just, just um, exemplify uh, the kind of game that we are really talking about here um, with what Texas Tech was able to do over the course of time um, since 2010-2011. So basically since the uh, Turner era, um, the percentage that we're talking about um, for that Texas Tech team, which uh, is is above sixty uh, percent, um, that that performance is at least in the top fifteen uh, in the CBS Turner era of the NCAA tournament. Um, so you could just really tell just how impressive that was, and every single one of those teams. Uh, won their games. Uh, if you go in, um, going into the CBS Turner era, um, each one of the top 22 um, best field goal percentage performances um, entering um, today and entering this particular tournament, uh, every single one of those teams won their games. And that is exactly what we saw with Texas Tech, just an obliteration of a performance for that Texas Tech team, just a really impressive um, mark for the Red Raiders. So we get to a point to where now Texas Tech is going to have to deal with Notre Dame. And to all credit to Notre Dame uh, for beating Alabama, a team that I thought was either first round or they can go a long way and it ended up being first round with Alabama. I don't know how much Notre Dame is going to be able to deal with Texas Tech, but but let's forget about the second round for a little bit and just discuss Notre Dame's win over Alabama. Notre Dame, this year's first four darlings. Yeah, extremely impressive performance from Notre Dame. It was a really close game at half, but uh, the Irish really pulled away. Their three-point shooting was fantastic in this game. 10 of 16, and Cormac Ryan was fantastic. I mean, he played 37 on the first, or 37 of the 40 minutes, Got six other rebounds. Like I said, seven of nine from three, three of four from two. He was just fantastic. And we knew Alabama's defense was problematic coming into the NCAA tournament. They weren't able to keep Notre Dame 
um, out off the line. And Notre Dame, the way they shot the threes, they really had to, you know, play close and tight on them. And Notre Dame just blew by them. I, Blake Wesley, I mean, the, the stat really doesn't show it, but his 18 points don't do him justice because he was driving to the hoop, just kicking and the ball, was just working its way around the court. And for Notre Dame to only have 13 assists and 18, re- and 18 turnovers, but still put up 78 points just kind of shows you the shot quality they were getting. I mean, Alabama really struggled, and it, it really sucks for them because Javon Quinterly, one of the team's best players this year, uh, got hurt just three minutes into the game, and uh, from that point on, it just never was the same. Yeah, that Alabama team, uh, pretty heavy offensively in the profile, which is not a good three-point shooting team, a team that will go down as a four-game losing streak to end the year, just never uh, got it going uh, in the month of March. It's uh, the 2021-22 Alabama team, 0-4 uh, in March. That is not something you want um, for any team to accomplish, but Alabama did that and just really ending an up-and-down season, uh, really no matter how you see the Crimson Tide. Like I said, Notre Dame and Texas Tech um, in the second round there. Um, if you had to uh, rank a number two and number three as to as to your most impressive uh, blowout performances, Dominic, um, of the first round, who would those be? Uh, I'm mean, thinking I think, a little bit. I think North Carolina is number two. Uh, that's partially because Mar- Marquette, yeah, they, they were very inconsistent throughout the year. And I'd say number three is probably St. Mary's. And Indiana had been so stout of late. And St. Mary's, who I, I, I had going to the Elite Eight, another pick that could kind of hold up in my bracket. Uh, <laughs> they, they dominated Indiana. St. Mary's has been so good defensively. Uh, really just don't cause any good shots. And I think that game against UCLA is going to be a fantastic one tomorrow night. Yeah, and you were saying earlier how you think Baylor might be in some trouble. That North Carolina team just obliterated Marquette. And despite the blip, uh, that appears to be a blip on the radar uh, on that Virginia Tech game in the ACC tournament. This North Carolina team is coming out for blood uh, at this point. Uh, and that that is a team that I would be very scared of if I was the Baylor Bears, just for the way that they are able to just utterly destroy uh, certain teams. I mean, you look at some of these numbers. Um, Baycott had 17. Uh, Brady Manick had 28. Uh, Caleb Love at 23. Uh, Davis had 12 assists uh, in this game. Now, I would nowhere near expect uh, offensive numbers like this uh, the rest of the tournament for North Carolina. But when you have three guys like that who can really get going, it's going to be incredibly difficult for Baylor to hone in on one or even two guys, uh, especially when you have a couple of main distributors. And it wasn't just Davis. Either Black also had eight assists to go with his seven boards. Uh, in this game. So I really would imagine that North Carolina is probably Baylor's worst possible uh, nightmare as far as a second round matchup. That might be huge, huge trouble. And for and for St. Mary's, I kind of saw this coming um, in the after the first four game. Uh, Wyoming just kind of turned the ball over a lot and I was not too impressed with Indiana. Uh, in that game. Yes, they won that game, uh, but I was really scared uh, for that team 
going into that game against St. Mary's, and not who I originally thought would be the first four, darling. Uh, but no, that was not going to happen. And quite frankly, uh, if it wasn't for the uh, the Indiana cheerleader getting the ball uh, up from above the backboard, that would be a really embarrassing day for Indiana well, as a whole. Uh, just not a good performance from the Hoosiers. Uh, they'll go down as having won a first four game, uh, but that is not the way they wanted to go out. Um, they have certainly have established a baseline for themselves going forward, but an ugly, ugly uh, situation in that particular game uh, for Indiana. Um, as far as some of these other games that are going on, um, as we are speaking um, live on the Twitter space, and of course for the podcast platforms, you're going to listen to this, uh, Houston taking down UAB. Houston was a pretty popular pick to go down first first round, uh, but that has not happened. And quite frankly, I would imagine that Houston is going to be an incredibly dangerous matchup uh, for Illinois after the close escape that Illinois had today. Yeah, the only upset pick that I got right was the stupid Michigan pick. And that was the one where I'm like, this isn't even an upset, and I didn't deserve it because Colorado State really threw that game away. I mean, I just threw up so many air balls on all of these upset picks, and... Oh, man, tough. But, uh, I mean, credit to Houston. They came out with a vengeance. They put up, what, 49 points in the first half? Just absurd. And if you're UAB, I mean, we've talked about Jelly Walker and how good he's been all this year, but you can't do that on the defensive end and expect to get an upset come March. So tough look for the Blazers, and uh, it looks like Michigan State's probably going to hold on, but Davidson's still got some hope. Yeah, and and in a game that you know I was pretty scared for for Houston, but their metrics are absolutely no joke. Uh, and and quite frankly, we could categorize UAB uh, as one of those teams um, that is pretty similar to a team um, like an SMU, um, a little bit above the type of teams in the American that Houston had been beating up on, uh, but still a team that Houston can beat. Uh, and we've seen that uh, as of late on the last game before March, home win against SMU in the American Athletic Conference Tournament, the win against Memphis in the Conference Tournament Championship. And it's a really important win for Houston going up against Illinois. Really, I don't think there's too many uh, bones about what Illinois um, really did. They escaped uh, Chattanooga. Uh, Chattanooga... They put themselves in position for that to be a really close game. Uh, the early foul trouble, I think, didn't help them out whatsoever. Uh, down the stretch, Chattanooga was really going through some scoring droughts, something you cannot do in March if you're trying to pull off an upset. Uh, if you just let a team back into a game like in Illinois, you're going to find yourself into trouble. And I see Dom Contini has uh, joined us here. And I'll, I'll get this to him since he has just joined us. Uh, the Illinois Chattanooga game. What do you think about that one? Yeah, like you said, um, Chattanooga dominated the whole entire game, but the three point shooting from the final line in the second half, specifically from Plummer, sparked the line and moved them on to the next round. And they didn't have a repeat of last year. Of course, last year was in the second round. So, uh, seeing what happens here with the Houston and UAB game, we'll see who the line I got and then to wait for this week's season. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be a point I really look to uh, 
see where that exactly lies. And I'll go ahead and ask you this, Doc, since we talked about this earlier with, with Dominic, uh, some of the teams that were, um, we talked a lot about um, some of the, uh, the upsets already, but I also dis- we also discussed some of the blowouts um, from this first round. And I'll ask you the same thing I asked Dominic. Uh, what would be your top three most impressive blowout performances in round one? Um, Kansas is up there. I'd say St. Peter's performance just because of the differences between the two programs, and that I really like Ohio State's performance on defense. I know the game was ugly at the opposite side of the ball, but the way Ohio State was able to limit um, the Ramblers' offense was very impressive. Yeah, and you know we just talked a lot about about Kentucky, St. Peter's. I mean. Given the fact that it was that defensive uh, of a performance, I mean, you, you know, I mean, it's not exactly the definition of a blowout necessarily, but in that kind of a defensive game, you know, a thirteen point lead feels insurmountable at any point in that game. I mean, you look at a Loyola team that, and I'm just going to get my Loyola land out of the way. I mean, at one point this team was what three of sixteen from layups. You cannot do that in March and expect to win any game at all. I mean, that is ridiculous. You, at some point, you have to finish inside. If you can't do that, you're not worthy of a spot in the second round of the NCAA tournament. You're, you're, you're not. And this is an Ohio State team that was only 1 of 15 from 3, yet still found a way to win by 13 points. I mean, that shouldn't happen in March. It shouldn't. So, I mean, Ohio State, they did a lot of good things to really just make sure that Iowa could not do anything inside, but at some point, you have to finish inside. You have to be able to do that. And for Loyola to have that kind of performance is incredibly disappointing, to say the least. Um, let's see, a game we haven't talked about yet. Uh, Miami and USC. USC falling to Miami. Very, very good game, guys. Yeah, this was a great game, and I mean, credit to USC. They battled back in this game. Uh, I mean, Miami went on a 16-2 run early in the half, and I got answered by a USC 17-2 run, and they were leading by four. I mean, things were looking up and up for the Trojans. Andy Enfield was uh, just irate with the way that his team was playing. They really turned it around, but this was the prime example of a college basketball game. It's a game of runs. And it's exactly what you saw. So uh, for Miami, their offense, it didn't exactly hold up. They only put up 68 points against the USC team. That's good defensively, but Miami's defense, which has struggled all year, ranked 144th in adjusted defense, 324th in effective field goal percentage on defense. They, they played fantastic today. And that's in part because they were able to force those turnovers from USC, 18 of them. That's the weakness of USC. Their guard play is not that good. They're one of the tallest teams in the country, but they just couldn't hold on to the ball at all. And it's not like this was a problem for them all season. This was a problem for them in this contest. Yeah, I, I would agree with what Dom had to say. Um, my, Miami dominated in the first half. I really loved the play from their guard, Isaiah Wong. He had 22 points on, on the day. Um but like Dom said, uh, basketball is a game of runs, and we saw that definitely here today in this game. It was a very fun game, and due to a lack of great guard play from this 
Trojan squad, and Miami was able to take advantage of that, and we saw that. Um, the second half was very enjoyable to watch, and I'm looking forward to seeing how Miami plays against a great Auburn team next round. And I, I want to talk about one final game from this first round before we give some thoughts in the second round. Murray State, San Francisco, overtime win for Murray State. That was a brilliant game from, from both of these teams. And it's honestly a shame that one of these teams had to be eliminated given some of the other performances that we've seen uh, from winners elsewhere in this tournament. Uh, but Murray State uh, into the second round against St. Peter's, uh, but but also San Francisco. But I think they both play incredibly well. And, you know, it's kind of a shame that one of these teams had to lose this game. Yeah, for sure. And going to... This game, right after a game like UCLA and Akron, um, was very fun. Uh, the, the night late of last of yesterday's games was very, very great, and a battle of the mid majors uh, between San Francisco and uh, Murray State that certainly lived up to the hype, like you said, Nick. Um, very disappointed that one of these teams had to go, um, but it was a ba- it was back and forth. All night, uh, Bouye for the Dons was lights out from three. And it was just a very fun game. Yeah, this game deserved overtime, and I'm glad that we got it. And it was, of course, from Bouye. But the, the the firepower from Murray State was a little bit too much from San Francisco. Yeah, that was that was certainly the case there. Um, the Chester kind of move on to the, the second round of the tournament. Uh, as we're speaking, there are uh, a couple of matchups that are uh, outstanding yet that are uh, yet to be determined um, by a couple of games still in progress. Uh, Michigan State through by a point. Um, they're going to face Duke in the match, but I think I definitely think the CBS executives are going to pounce all over. Um, but TCU looking like they're going to win against Satan Hall. Uh, and then Colgate, Wisconsin, a toss-up as we're speaking here. Uh, but what's the second round match you guys are most looking forward to this weekend? I'm very looking forward to um, the Baylor-North Carolina matchup. I think um, the true Baylor team is going to show in this game. And Armando Baycott, who I think is either the best big in the country or second to Oscar Schwebley, um, is going to show why he's so great, especially against a Baylor team that is missing some of their bigs. And I think Hubert Davis is going to get his first major tournament win uh, tomorrow. Uh, I'm looking at Memphis versus Gonzaga. I mean, Memphis, they really struggled in that second half against Boise State. But when they were going fast, like they want to get out and play in that first half against Boise State, their offense was clicking. And Gonzaga looked very bad until the big man for Georgia State fell down. So I, I think Memphis is a shot to win this game, especially if they play like how they want to. They get out and they can go and run in transition. Uh, I, I think that'll bode well for Memphis. I, I'd expect they can do pretty close. And also, New Mexico State-Arkansas on Saturday it should be pretty exciting. I mean, Arkansas, uh, they, they've, they've been dependable, but to a certain extent, just because that... Uh, that offense doesn't always get the great shots up, but J.D. Note versus Teddy Allen should be a fantastic game. Yeah, I think all those matchups are going to be absolutely brilliant. Baylor, North Carolina is going to be perfect, prime, 9 a.m. Pacific and Arizona time matchup on CBS. That's going to be all kinds of fun. And then what can that Memphis team do against Gonzaga? Uh, that'll be one I am very curious in. 
Uh, and I think Gonzaga kind of woke themselves up mid-game against Georgia State. Uh, was, that was especially interesting. Uh, what can Teddy Allen do against uh, Arkansas? It's going to be really fun to watch. Um, Michigan State Duke's obviously going to be prime television. Would be very surprised if that was not prime time uh, on CBS or even just as the one of the standalone afternoon games on CBS. Would be very surprised if that wasn't the case there. Michigan-Tennessee, I also think, is going to be a very good matchup uh, as well. Um, just how ready is Tennessee to make this uh, in, from a from a you know ordinary tournament run to an incredibly memorable tournament run? I think that is what I'm going to be looking for in that particular game. Uh, Houston and Illinois is going to be what I'm very, very excited for. What is Illinois' response uh, after an ugly defensive game against Chattanooga uh, against a Houston team who the metrics love, one, and two, based on you know, them getting that Q1 win against Memphis in the American Athletic Conference Championship, them beating UAB, pretty good, a team that a lot of people thought could beat Houston, they're going to be incredibly hungry. And I would not be surprised for that being an incredibly entertaining uh, contest uh, as well. Uh, I want to also propose to you guys uh, the St. Mary's UCLA game. This is going to be an incredible West Coast uh, battle between these two teams with either Baylor or North Carolina waiting uh, in the regional semifinal. What, what are we looking for in that UCLA St. Mary's battle, which I think is going to be an incredibly good one? I think it's going to be an incredibly great game, but I really think St. Mary's could win this game by eight points because I was not impressed by the Bruins at all against Akron. I feel like they just got away. Um, they really did. Um, just I have a couple calls went the other way for the Zips. Uh, UCLA is going home right now. But uh, the way St. Mary's dominated a pretty good team, I would like to call Indiana, uh, is very... I think insane. I mean, I did not expect them to blow Indiana out of the water like they did. And I think they're going to continue their hot offensive clinic into this game with UCLA and move on to this week's 16. Aaron, St. Mary's can absolutely win that game. Uh, like I mentioned earlier before Dom got in here, I would not expect that poor performance from Johnny Juzang. The one thing that St. Mary's is really good at is limiting passing and limiting assists from their opponents. That's not exactly UCLA's strong suit. Uh, they're 180th in assists per field goals made, while on the defensive end, St. Mary's is number one in that category. So uh, UCLA likes to play out the ball, let their really good scorers handle the ball, get their shots up. So I, I think that St. Mary's is going to have to adjust their defense a little bit uh, to kind of cater towards the strength of UCLA, and they're absolutely capable of it. We've seen Randy Bennett do this a couple of times, uh, and – I'm really excited for that game, like you mentioned, Nick. Yeah, that that'll be one that I'm really looking forward to seeing just where that ends up going. Um, and then one of the final questions I will pose to you guys: uh, We've seen several double-digit seeds um, advance out um, of um, the first round into the second round. How many double-digit seeds do you guys see advancing to the Sweet Sixteen this weekend? Probably one. These double-digit seeds don't get there that often, especially the seeds. I would say two. Higher. 
they, they, they typically don't win. Uh, I'd, I'd look towards Richmond to be a candidate for that. Uh, Notre Dame, I mean, if they shoot the ball like that, because I wouldn't expect Texas a and to shoot the ball that well. Uh, in Miami, potentially. I would say Michigan, but Tennessee is so hot that I don't think Michigan can beat them. Uh, those are the teams I'm looking at, though. I think Dom is right for one for sure, that being Richmond. Uh, that's the team we got to look at. I'm, maybe not for sure, but they have the best chance. And then I think another team we can take a look at is St. Peter's, just because of the way they played against Kentucky. I know they're going to go into it a pretty good opponent in Murray State. So, um, But I think I like Richmond's chances against Providence. I mean, of course, the gas can run out for this Richmond team as they've been battling every game. As of yet, I mean, Iowa actually wasn't really that big of a battle, but um, Richmond and St. Peter's are two of my teams I think that can move on to Sweet 16. And, you know, depending on how this Colgate-Wisconsin game ends, uh, we may have a guaranteed double-digit seed uh, into uh, the second weekend. Uh, but really, of the teams that are going to be facing really high-quality um, opposition, um, Richmond... Uh, and New Mexico State are the teams I'm going to look for to, to possibly get the job done um, and move on to the Sweet 16. Obviously, prob- the, the, the doubts around Providence are well documented. Uh, them, their defense being able to really stifle South Dakota State was an impressive in and of itself. Um, and if they could do the same thing against Richmond, you know, the Spiders may have some trouble there, but... Given the hot streak the Spiders have been on, that would not be too surprising of one right there. And for Teddy Allen, he has the chance to become this March's darling player uh, and to become America's darling. He has he turned up an incredible performance against UConn. I would not be surprised if he did the exact same thing against Arkansas. And if that ends up being the case, Arkansas... It's going to be very interesting to see how they respond because that is going to be a situation in which who really knows what could end up happening um, out of that uh, particular situation. You know, part of me wouldn't be too shocked if we ended up getting some craziness um, within that particular game. And, you know, some of these others, I mean, Michigan's going to go up against a Tennessee team that is just stupidly motivated uh, to play above their three seed. Texas Tech, that's going to be a matchup that I look forward to seeing, but I don't think Notre Dame ends up winning. Um, you know, St. Peter's could be a possible one as well, uh, but how they get able to handle things is going to be a big question. Uh, Miami against Auburn, I'm not very high on, uh, if I'm being honest. And should Iowa State get Wisconsin, that would be one I actually find very interesting, uh, to say the least. Colgate six of seven from three this half, seven of ten from the floor. Wisconsin's eight of thirteen from the half. So it's gonna be interesting to see which team can uh, hold up their their offensive consi- or can hold up their offensive firepower at this point in the half because those numbers on both sides are pretty unsustainable. Yeah, that is certainly going to to be the case there. But no matter what ends up happening at that game, we're gonna have um, I would say sixteen very solid games. 
uh, in some in, in some interesting storyline way uh, on Saturday and Sunday combined, uh, which of course will lead up to our Sunday show on Blaze Radio, BlazeRadioOnline.com, seven o'clock Arizona time. That should be a very good. We'll go through uh, really everything within the, this weekend and get you a deep dive into what is to come in the Sweet 16 and Lead 8s uh, for the respective regions. Uh, but that will be it for this particular space. For Dominic's John Dom Coutinho, I'm Nicholas Hodel. Enjoy the rest of the games this weekend.